0: Greetings, everybody! Welcome to the Best End Move Show on the Planet at the John Campy Show, coming from right here on my YouTube channel. Brought to you in part by our friends over at Mint Mobile. I am, of course, your host, John Campy, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies and movie news, TV and streaming, and all sorts of good things. And guys, welcome to Friday. Congratulations. You made it through to the end of another week. May you have a fabulous weekend of relaxation and fun planned ahead of yourselves, preparing you for another week ahead of Triumph and Victory, of course. I'm joined, of course, sitting back there by Ray Aura, Running the show today, we got Jonathan Voico. Taylor Gonzalez is over there. Most importantly... You guys are here, and thank you so much for making this show part of your day. And we're going to break it into two parts. We're going to talk about some predetermined topics right up top. And then in the second half of the show, we're going to take your live comments and questions. We'll announce at the end of the main topics when we're opening up the Super Chats for you guys to do that. Also, I want to let you guys know, for those of you who are channel members around here, first of all, thank you so much for being a channel member and supporting our channel here. I want to let you guys know that there is going to be a channel members town hall. That comes on a little bit later today. It's been a couple of weeks since we had the last one. So we're going to have one a little bit later today. I think it's going to be around 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. That's 5 p.m. New York time. If you are one of our channel members, come on by and join us for that. All right, guys. With that all down, let's get things going here, shall we? And we're going to start off with this. I remember when they were going to be doing, they announced that they were going to be doing this uh, Detective Pikachu movie. The Pokemon movie. And I remember saying, okay, it might do all right. And the trailers were cute. I love, obviously, Ryan Reynolds is my good Canadian kid. Really excited about that. I think the trailers kind of look sort of adorable. Uh, But there were a lot of people who were absolutely convinced, like thought I was certifiably insane. (laughs) When I said I did not think there was no way that that sex Pikachu movie was going to make a billion dollars. People said, John, you don't understand. It is the number one entertainment IP in the world. And they weren't wrong. It it actually, it was. I don't know if it still is. Maybe it is. But it absolutely, at the time, was like the number one recognizable entertainment IP in the world and all that kind of stuff. But just because it does that doesn't mean it's going to be huge. The movie came out and it was okay. I thought it was all right. I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I didn't think it was great. And it did okay at the box office. Taylor, you can pull up for me the box office numbers that the first Detective Pikachu did. But I remember it did well. You know, it didn't blow the doors off the bank or anything, but it did well. And there's been a lot of discussion, talk about a new Detective Pikachu coming. And what did it make? So worldwide, Detective Pikachu made $433 million. $433 million. That's not bad. Mm -hmm. It's a far cry from a billion, but that ain't bad. It's better than Black Adam. So, I mean, I don't know why Black Adam has suddenly become the standard by which we measure everything. I don't I don't it, know why I do it's that. Not as like, bad. I just for the uh, record, I Black liked Adams, Black Adam, yeah. so whatever. <laughs> but I mean, so they were talking about they were going to be doing another one, which was a little bit surprising again because the first Detective Pikachu didn't blow the doors off, but successful enough. Well, everything is moving forward, and we've got a director. According to deadline, Jonathan Chrysell has been tapped to direct Pokemon Detective Pikachu sequel at Legendary Pictures. Now, in case some of you are out there saying, who the living F is Jonathan Crissell?" you're not alone. Because Jonathan Crissell has never directed anything. Um, he is primarily a producer and a writer and things like that. And if we go over to, to my screen here for a second, we see that he has written some things. He's written uh, Moonbase 8, which I'm not familiar with. He wrote uh, Baskets. He was a writer on Baskets, which I thought Baskets was actually pretty good. He was one of the co-creators of Portlandia. Oh, I love Portlandia. Portlandia is fantastic. It's really good. Um, I never followed the Tim and Eric Awesome Show stuff, but he wrote Mm -hmm. some with that. He wrote on the the Kroll Show. Uh, He was a writer on Saturday Night Live for at least a year. Uh, Some Funnier Die Presents. And that's it. Mm -hmm. And now- before anybody gets too worried, listen, director's got to start somewhere. And the only thing I get nervous about personally is when they try to tap a first-time director to direct a blockbuster tentpole kind of film. Like, I remember when they were talking about, oh, damn, who's the name of the guy again? Uh, the the uh, X, He wrote a lot of comic book stuff. He directed X-Men, Dark Phoenix. Kinberg? Simon Kimberg. Thank right. you, Ray. Ray pulling out the information <laughs> when you need it most. <laughs> Simon Kimberg. Like, so th- that's why I was I was really concerned because X-Men is a bigger movie property than Pokemon is. uh And so when they were announcing that they were going to have Simon Kimberg, who had never directed anything, that was a bit of a red flag. It's like, you know, say, come on, get Simon to direct some some something smaller first. And uh, but you know what, Detective? This is coming off a film that made 400-something million dollars. This isn't a billion-dollar franchise. Maybe this ain't a bad movie to cut your teeth on, especially if he's got that humor and that stylings and all that kind of stuff. So maybe it's not bad. Look, would I have been a little bit more confident if we had heard that, I, I don't know, some little bit more experienced of a director was taking the helm on this thing? Sure. But again, this is... One of those movies, maybe at the higher end, that I think it isn't a bad one for a first-time director to cut their teeth on and show what they can do. So I, for one, am looking forward to seeing this. Again, I didn't love the first one, but I did like it. And I'm going to be curious to see how this one Shakes out. Did you any, any of you guys well taylor? I'm gonna go out on a wild <laughs> yeah, limb here and guess that you saw. Mm-hmm. Did I you like Pokemon. the first Doctor Pikachu?
1: Yeah, I liked it a lot. I'm hoping they bring everybody back though, because I want Ryan Reynolds back. I want to have Justice Smith. I love Justice Smith, so I'm hoping he returns. He's
0: got he's got Dungeons and Dragons coming out at the yeah. end of the month, too. He's I, I'm hoping
1: right he blows up because he deserves it. He's he's a great actor. And you know, he was in the Jurassic World franchise, yep. he's in this. He wasn't just,
0: so great in the Jurassic World franchise, right. but I I don't blame him for that.
1: And then Catherine Newton, who was just in Quantumania, I really like her in Freaky, so I'm hoping she gets another good role with this movie. I'm excited to see Detective Pikachu come back.
2: You know, a uh, funny story about uh, Simon Kinberg. We were in line for Force Friday at Toys R Us. That's right. Before Force Awakens. And uh, he was like right in front of us. And that was a sign already that he wasn't fit for X-Men because <laughs> both, both him and I came out Empty handed. We didn't get anything. Everything was sold out. So if he was a better director, he would have gotten a handful of Star Wars <laughs> stuff. But if me and him left the store with nothing in our hands because we couldn't get anything, then yeah. That should have told everybody not to get him for X-Men. That's I, my logic right there. It makes total sense. Everyone feels me. That's
0: it. <laughs> I, and it wasn't by coincidence that we were in line with Simon Kimberg there because uh, Simon was with uh, our buddy, Kyle Newman, who's been on our show a couple of times. Of course, he's the he's directed uh, Fanboys and he directed the latest uh, One Up. And, and the,
2: the one guy that was in your documentary, our-
0: uh, 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 Adrian. 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 Adrian producer Adrian Scarr, yeah, yeah. was, was also there. there. Yeah, we had arranged to meet up with him there and they knew Simon Kimberg and they were in line with him, yeah. And Seth Green was there, but yes, he was, was. smart.
2: He came out with a whole bunch of stuff. Like he was actually in line earlier than us. So
0: Which
3: like not, which one was this? This what, was the one in Burbank, all... the one next Man, to And the stars came out. Yeah, next...
0: they were all there yeah. in line for What what was the day? Star Wars Monday or Star... It was Force Friday. Force, Force Friday. Friday. That was what it was, it was called. Right
2: before Force Awakens came out. My favorite Star Wars movie, by the way.
0: All right guys, question is for you. <laughs> What do you think about this? Detective Pikachu, the sequel, is moving forward, and they've even got themselves a director. Granted, a director who's never directed anything before, but he's got some pretty solid writing titles on his stuff there. I think this is a perfectly fine movie for a first time director to direct, or direct. Maybe you don't feel the same. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to our next topic here, shall we? And that is this. I am a big fan of director Guy Ritchie. I, I like Guy Ritchie's movies very, very much. And I'm also a big fan of Jason Statham. You know, Jason Statham was the first celebrity interview I had on my first website, the movie blog. You know what I mean? Yep. Jason uh, was talking about his film Crank, <laughs> which, of course, a couple of buddies of mine, Mark Neville, and Brian yep. Taylor directed. But, and he did the first thing. And I remember one of the questions was something about, because it comes up in the movie, about a uh, question about Viagra. And Jason Statham says, no, don't need Viagra get a little rubber band. I thought <laughs> like, what? That was, I know I, I, I had no idea where he was going with the rubber band thing. <laughs> that it, was apparently that was a manly thing for a Jason Statham to do. If you understand the first crank movie, you know what we're going with, with there, but love him. Um, I, I love Aubrey Plaza. Absolutely mm-hmm. love her. Uh, but I'm going to tell you what, so I went to go see their new movie operation fortune Jean, Jean, Jean. I, <laughs> I honestly don't know how to say the last part of the show. But uh, Operation Fortune is what I'm going to leave it at Josh Hartnett's in it. Carrie uh, Elwes, who I, you know, Dread Pirate Roberts and Wesley from Princess Bride. And Hugh Grant. I'm going to tell you right now. Return. Hugh Grant steals this movie. I had a feeling he would. He is so good. And of course, he's worked with Guy Ritchie before. I mean, at least once he did Man from Uncle mm-hmm. with Guy Ritchie, which I love that movie too. So uh Hugh Grant totally steals it. Jason Statham is exactly Jason Statham, the Jason Statham you'd expect, and that's exactly what I wanted. Aubrey Plaza is great. Uh, she's got the best one-liners. She has like there's some really good humor in the movie, and she's got the best one-liners uh in it. So the basic idea is this. Here's the basic premise of Operation Fortune. Somebody has stolen something dangerous, hmm. but the government doesn't know who stole it, what exactly it was they stole, though they just know it's something dangerous, but they need to find out what it was exactly, and who's trying to buy it. So there's a whole bunch of mystery going on. So the government, instead of getting their official you know, agencies involved, they get one of the black ops, off-the-books agencies that works for the government from time to time, run by Kerry Elwes. And he's got his team led by Jason Statham. And they go off on this intrepid quest to find out who stole it, what was stolen, who they're selling it to, and why, they're, what they're going to use it, what nefarious purposes they're going to use it for. All right, here's the thing. It might be my least favorite Guy Ritchie movie. But that being said, I don't have a single Guy Ritchie movie that I straight up don't like. Well, wait, did he direct Swept Away?
1: I'll check right now.
0: I, because if he did, I, wait a minute. I'm, did he? Did he direct Swept uh, Away?
1: The 2002 movie. Yeah, he he directed. Okay, that.
0: okay. I, cha- I changed my mind. No, you love Swept Away. <laughs> that is the worst movie that Guy Ritchie directed. So let's take. Swept away off off the off the books for a second, and other than that, this is my least favorite one, and I I didn't like that one, but I still enjoyed this movie. Now look with the bad stuff first, and I did put up my out of theater reaction to it last night. The bad stuff first, it it definitely feels disjointed, like as you're going through the narrative, like it it does feel a little bit clunky, and sometimes Guy Ritchie because Guy Ritchie movies move at such an insane breakneck pace. That sometimes the flow of the narrative doesn't feel smooth. And this movie definitely feel you can feel it. It feels disjointed. Quite frankly, sometimes in this movie, it kind of felt like they were making it up as they went along um, a little bit. Also, go back to that last picture you just had. So there's this picture, Aubrey Plaza in this one scene is like shooting at guys who are chasing them and everything. But I'm telling you, her gun was all over the place. It was so noticeable. Like at one point, let's go to my one shot. Let's say uh, this delicious aviation gin is my gun. Like, so she's pointing at the bad guys, right? Let's say the bad guys over or over uh, there, right? Sometimes as she's shooting, her gun's literally like this pew, 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 pew <laughs> like this, when the bad guys were clearly that way. So that was kind of one thing. Um, again, like I said, a bit disjointed, narrative didn't flow well. Sometimes it felt like they were kind of making it up as they were going along. The editing was not the best, all that kind of stuff. At the end of the day, it's a rather kind of forgettable little action film. But sometimes on a Thursday night, that's a perfectly fine time at the movies. Anne and I had a good time. We we laughed. The action is really good. Jason Statham's fight scenes are great. Like his fight scenes, they're always great. They continue to be great. There's good action. But again, Hugh Grant steals the movie. So great movie? No. A good time? Yeah, I, I had fun. I had fun. And you know what? The last time I checked the Rotten Tomatoes meter, it kind of reflects that. I think the 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 last time I checked, it had like a 57%, which means just a little more than half the critics liked it, a little less than half them didn't. And that that's right where I would expect it to be. That's totally where I would expect it to be after watching this. But for me... Kind of a good time with the movie. If you get a chance, run out and check out Operation Fortune, Jean Valjean. All right. <laughs> the question is for you guys. Did you have a chance to run out and see the new Jason Statham film? If so, what did you think about it? Are you like most people in the world that you didn't even know this movie existed or was even coming out this week? Whatever you guys think, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down. Let's move on to, man, it's a little bit of a tragedy that Rob's not here, because eh. let's move on to some Star Trek news. Modern Star Trek. At that. Modern Star Trek news. <laughs> Even if it's modern, Rob likes being here for the Star Trek stuff, but a little bit of modern Star Trek news. All right, so CBS, what was it called? Paramount Plus was called CBS All Access. Right. Oh. So when, when CBS All Access was kind of out, they their big series that they were relaunching, Star Trek, for the small screen was coming in the form of Star Trek Discovery and it was a little divisive I mean you get a lot of the classic Star Trek fans now, Listen, I've been watching Star Trek since I was a child because my mom loved watching Star Trek we she would put on the old Star Trek the original series reruns so I grew up watching that stuff and of course obviously then when Star Trek the next generation came out I mean I was a kid but I loved watching it all that kind of stuff but You know, it's fair to say there's a contingent of classic Star Wars fans, or Star Trek fans, I should say, that they weren't going to like anything that came out unless it was exactly like the old Star Trek. And the argument I would have with my friends, with my fellow Star Trek fans at the time, I remember when when the J.J. Abrams, the first Star Trek movie was coming out. By the way, that first J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie that came out, I shit all over that movie a year before it even came out. I was like, "This is a dead franchise." This, 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 is probably. And what year did that come out? Two thousand nine, I want to say for that stuff Yeah, Trek, it was two thousand nine. I only know that because Rob <laughs> <So> that, <laughs> is it all Two thousand nine. That that Star Trek movie with Chris Pine comes out, and but before it came out for a full year, I was saying, "This is the dumbest idea ever. This is a dead franchise," because literally the fan base is dying off. Like literally, the, the fans of the original series were literally dying, and. No new fans were being created. They all had one bun in the grave. They all had one (laughs) bun in the grave, as Rob would say, right? And it's 100% true. There were no new fans being created. We saw the box office of all the Star Trek movies were dropping like stones. Each one was making less than the previous one. No new fans were being created. Guess what? The definition of dying is when cells are dying off and new ones aren't being created. It was a dead franchise, and I thought it was a stupid idea that they would do it. They came out with Star Trek was the biggest box office result they ever had for a movie. And it was different. And And I tried to tell my fellow Star Trek fans at the time, it's like, listen, this is a, a new era. This is like, audiences are looking for things a little bit different. And you can't just go back and keep doing things the way you were doing them before, make it a little bit fresh. So whatever. they, But listen, undeniably, what I remember Rob and I had this discussion because the one thing Rob concedes to when talking about that is that J.J. Abrams' Star Trek movie did create for the first time in ages new fans of Star Trek. Something Star Trek hadn't done in a a while, at least not since The Next Generation came out. Mm -hmm. So anyway, now we jump forward to Star Trek Discovery. And they do it again. They try to make Star Trek a little bit different again. They try taking different approaches, give it different DNA. And I'll tell you what, I quite liked it. I I quite like Star Trek Discovery. I particularly like the first season. Like a lot of shows... It has it has some hits and some misses. I'm not going to sit here and tell you Star Trek Discovery is great. I think they've had some great moments. I think they've had some bad moments. I still don't like the whole time crystals thing for those of you who watch Star Trek Discovery. Still don't like all that. But what cannot be denied, oh, some people try to pretend it's not true because they like to stick their head in the sand and ignore facts, Star Trek Discovery has been incredibly successful for Paramount. So much so that it launched a whole bunch of new series, including my favorite Star Trek series since the next generation, which is strange new worlds. I love that show. I think that shows great, but it's also reached five seasons. And now we know the fifth season is its final one. As according to the Hollywood reporter, Star Trek discovery is going to end with this upcoming season five. Now they said the following, the Paramount plus sci-fi drama will embark on its final voyage with its upcoming fifth season. Sources say principal filming of the season is mostly complete, but with this move to end the show, there will be additional filming to help craft a conclusion for the series. the fifth and final series will now season will premiere in early 2024. So they were in the process well into the process of making season five when the decision got handed down that okay, this is going to be our farewell. So they decided to budget out more shooting time and whatever so they could actually wrap the series up and then they bumped the release date of the series because season five was supposed to come out, I believe, later in 2023 and now they've bumped it to 2024 to give it that room and that breath so they can finish it off. And, you know, whenever a a show like this or a movie franchise starts to head towards its conclusion, you start wondering what's the legacy of this movie franchise or this series is going to be. What will the legacy of Star Trek Discovery be? I think what you can't deny first and foremost is that it the, it will have a legacy of divisiveness. Like, again, I like the show overall, but there's no denying there there are a lot of older, you know, Star Trek fans and, and whatever, fans of the more classic stuff that that it did not sit well with. It was very different from the Star Trek that they grew up with and liking. and And it's fair to say that the number one thing about the legacy of Star Trek Discovery will be that it was divisive. It was. However... There's also a couple of things that aren't deniable either. It'll have a legacy of sparking an entire era of new Star Trek on television. Cause you know, we've got some animated series, we've got Picard, we got strange new worlds, all that kind of stuff. And none of them would have existed were it not for the success of Star Trek discovery. Here's another interesting thing about that. And ooh, this is going to rub some people the wrong way at five seasons. Star Trek Discovery lasted two seasons more than the original Star Trek series did. Ooh! Ooh, where's the, where's the gif of that cat from, uh, <laughs> from Puss in Boots that goes, ooh, yeah, I said it. I said it, it's true. It lasted two seasons longer than the original series did. Now, of course, this is a different era in altogether. But also, in, in, an, in the streaming era where shows get canceled, good shows get canceled after one, two, three seasons, this thing's made it to five. So, would they have liked to have gone longer? I'm sure they would have. Could this show have been a better show? I agree. Even as somebody who likes the show, I agree. It could have been a better show. Could have been great. It wasn't great. It was all right. It was good. Ups and downs. But uh, it will have a legacy of being divisive and yet a legacy of success. And both are true. So uh, hats off to the folks who brought a Star Trek Discovery. They've got a whole new franchise launched now. It's one of the other than, you know, once this little thing called Yellowstone came around and Taylor Sheridan came around, but it was the most, other than that, it's the most successful thing Paramount Plus got going for it. So bully to them, good on them, and congratulations to the folks behind Star Trek Discovery for getting five seasons and the legacy that they will have. Questions for you guys. What do you think about this? Star Trek Discovery Drawing to its conclusion at the end of season five, what do you think its ultimate legacy is going to be? Whether you liked it or not, how do you think people will remember it? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to another issue here, and that one is this. Every once in a while, a movie gets announced that we go, wait, Why? Why are they making that movie? Like if they were to come out and say they're doing a Joe Dirt 2. I don't know. Did they do a Joe Dirt 2? Was, I, don't, I, don't I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm going to hope there wasn't. Okay. No, <laughs> so like if they were to come out and announce a Joe Dirt 2, we, we would probably that. be asking ourselves, why on earth are they doing a Joe Dirt 2? That's the kind of reaction I had when they announced that they were doing a Madam Web. Like why? Why on earth are they doing Madam Web? Now, uh, while there were some questions about that, like why on earth would you do this? The reality was, they started announcing a pretty decent lineup for a cast. Dakota Johnson leading it. I love Dakota Johnson. I'm becoming a bigger and bigger fan of hers. Uh Adam Scott, who is, of course big hit with succession right now, not succession, uh, um, severance. Big hit with severance right now. I love him on Parks and Rec, all that kind of stuff. That's great. But also Euphoria's Sydney Sweeney. And there are some rumors and whispers going around, but now there's a fresh bunch of reports about who Sidney Sweeney is going to be playing. And according to these reports, Sidney Sweeney is going to be playing Spider-Woman in the upcoming Madam Web. But the Julia Carpenter version of Spider-Woman, who, if I'm not, if my memory's not failing me here, was the second iteration of Spider-Woman. So the folks over at CBR say the following. They say, Euphoria star Sidney Sweeney's character in the upcoming Sony Spider-Man universe film Madam Web has reportedly been revealed. Sweeney is portraying the second incarnation of the Spider-Woman in *Madame Web. Marvel Comics' second in-, in continuity Spider-Woman was, of course, Julia Carpenter, who succeeded Jessica Drew. Julia's apparent involvement in Sp- Sony's Spider-Man uh, S- Madam Web film is especially noteworthy, seeing how she is also the second and current Madame Web in the comics, having succeeded the late Cassandra Webb. So, there were some questions going around about, is Dakota Johnson playing the Julia Carpenter, Madam Webb, or is she playing the Cassandra Webb character? And I guess that this puts that to bed now because if we have Sydney playing Julia Carpenter, then that must mean that Dakota Johnson's playing Cassandra as uh, Madam Webb. And I'll tell you when my interest in this movie started to get peaked. I was not very interested in this movie like most people. Until about a year ago, Ray. I don't re- know if you remember us doing this show where we talked about this. Mm-hmm. But some images—if you guys remember this—some set images got released of like Adam Scott and Dakota Johnson were like paramedics of some sort, and right. there there was a car crash. But they were really old cars, like cars set in the like from the '80s or something like that, mm-hmm. which made us think of—is this going to be a period piece? And then rumors came out that some Gus's gas station movie review dot fart website started run with, but I had also heard too. I have, I still to this day cannot confirm whether they were true or not, but some whispers started to come out. Some reports started to come out that the basic plot of Madam Webb. And again, let me be clear. We don't know if this is true or not at all. This is just, we, we had heard at the time was a little bit of a terminator kind of plot where this movie was set back in the late eighties or early nineties that the idea was that a villain who had grown tired of not being able to defeat defeat Peter Parker's Spider-Man goes back in time to kill Mary Parker. And Mary Parker apparently was going to be played by Emma Roberts from, um, what's the best thing I can mention from? We're the Millers. Um, she's done a bunch of other stuff. She's, of course, Eric Roberts' and Julia Roberts' uh, niece. Actually, she, no, she's Eric Roberts' daughter.
1: And Julia Roberts' yeah, and niece. Yeah, and Julia
0: Roberts' niece. Mm-hmm. That's right. And she's wonderful. I, I like her a lot. So apparently, then the whispers were that she was going to be playing Mary Parker, the actual mother of Peter Parker, and Adam Scott was going to play Richard Parker, the father of Peter Parker. And this notion came out that the plot of Madam Web was going to be that this villain's going to try to kill them off. And so then this gaggle of Spider-Man allies get together and a la Arnold Schwarzenegger they travel back in time to stop this villain from killing Spider-Man. Now, again, no idea if that's the actual direction they're going in, but if it is, sign me up as being actually quite interested in this. So, I I mean, I don't know. We'll have to see. But the whole notion about who Sweeney's playing, most probably the reports are saying she's going to be playing the second iteration of Spider-Woman. I like that. Question is for you guys. What do you think about this? Do you like the idea of these reports that maybe... Sydney Sweeney is playing Spider-Woman, the second iteration of Spider-Woman, the Julia Carpenter version of Spider-Woman. What do you think about the overall plot rumors and stuff like that? I don't know. Whatever you guys think about it, jump down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's now move on to take... Our Mint Mobile hotline questions of the day. If you guys have a question for our show and you'd like to hear your voice on our show, go ahead and call our hotline anytime at 951-268-4259. And maybe you'll hear your voice on our show. And this one is asking some questions about, hey, who's going to be the face of the Avengers moving forward? Check it out. Hey, John and Cruz. My name is Joey from Florida. Great to be on the show. Love you guys. A quick question. The Infinity Saga, they had Tony Stark as their main lead hero, and Thanos as their main lead villain.
1: For the multiverse saga, we seem to have Kang, obviously, as our villain for Dynasty and Secret
0: Wars. Do you think that Doctor Strange or Spider-Man or someone else that you might think will be the main hero against our upcoming Kang in Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars? Thanks, and bring on the filthy. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. So, yeah, we were talking yesterday on the show about, you know, that the MCU right now doesn't have, there's not a face of the MCU anymore, right? For three phases, there were two faces of the MCU. Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark and Chris Evans' Tony, uh, Steve Rogers, a.k.a. Captain America. They were the heart and soul of the MCU and the faces of the MCU. And, you know, even when you got into Infinity War and Endgame, in Infinity War, it was Tony Stark that had the big moment against Thanos when the magic nanobots created a foam to heal up his stab wound. But it was it was him squaring off against Thanos. And then when you got into Endgame, it was Cap's turn. You know, there, there's that great image of that wide shot silhouette. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. That wide shot silhouette of Captain America standing there alone, getting his broken shield back on his arm, facing down Thanos And his hordes and legions of of henchmen ready to come out. And he was going to face... I mean, so in Infinity War, Robert Downey Jr. Endgame, Steve Rogers. But we haven't had... We talked about this yesterday. There hasn't really been a face of the MCU since. So they ask a really neat question. As we're now going into Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars, Avengers 5 and 6, who are most likely to be those new faces? Because we haven't had any kind of hint or inclination of it yet but as we build towards now we're heading into that second leg stretch heading towards avengers five and six who are those new faces going to be if there is going to be anybody that is the de facto leader or leaders of the mcu and the faces of the mcu who could it possibly be all right i want to jump into the classroom here for a second we're going to talk about a couple of possibilities here all right possibility number one dr strange so Doctor Strange is an interesting candidate to kind of be the face of the MCU. Number one, he's one of the most powerful characters in the MCU, so there's that. Number two, he's one of the most charismatic stars playing him in Benedict Cumberbatch. He's an infinitely likable character. Now, the things working against Doctor Strange are, number one, Benedict Cumberbatch has said repeatedly that Doctor Strange isn't even an Avenger, which is fine. You don't have to be the... the, in-movie leader of the Avengers and necessarily to be the face of the MCU. But, you know, again, so I think there's some good arguments that it could be him, but some arguments against him are, again, he's not even really that closely associated with the Avengers themselves. And, you know, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, while wildly successful, making over $900 million, is a little bit divisive among some fans, so there's that. So Doctor Strange is one of those names. Another one is Thor. I mean, Thor is an OG. He's been around since the beginning, since the first Avengers, prior to the first Avengers movie. So, and it's played by one of the biggest stars in the world and Chris Hemsworth. The Thor films have been very successful. All that kind of stuff. And again, he is one of the, maybe a top three most powerful character in the MCU, the God of Thunder. So these are all reasons why maybe Thor could be it. The... The arguments against Thor being it, though, are even prior to Love and Thunder, even in Ragnarok, which I consider Ragnarok to be awesome. I love Thor Ragnarok. That movie to me is incredible. But even in that, you know, Thor, we started to see Thor lean a little bit more into the silly, which I thought Thor Ragnarok was a nice balance of the heavy and serious with the more lighthearted and silly. It was a good balance. But then we get into Infinity War, and we, and we start getting fat Thor, and then we got <laughs> Thor Love and Thunder, and a lot of the audience. I mean, a bunch of people did like Thor Love and Thunder. I like it. I didn't love it. I have problems with it. But and a lot of people straight up didn't like it. So you know what? There's some good arguments made that Thor could be it, but some solid arguments that he might not be. All right next up, we've got Captain Marvel. Now the biggest argument to be made that Captain Marvel will ultimately maybe become one, either the face of the MCU or one of the faces of the MCU is that Kevin Feige talked up the Captain Marvel character a lot prior to the first movie coming out. They're talking about how Captain Marvel is like the most powerful character in the MCU. I mean, that's what Kevin Feige said. I don't think, I think it's kind of shook out that maybe Scarlet Witch is the most powerful character in the MCU. But that being said, He had a lot of big things lauding Captain Marvel. The first movie comes out, makes over a billion dollars at the box office. One of the true big heroes of Endgame. You know, the battle was turning. That that final battle in Endgame, it was turning. And then out of nowhere, here comes Captain Marvel taking out the fleet, the ship and everything single-handedly and all that kind of stuff. I mean, so there's some strong arguments made for that. Arguments against Captain Marvel, though, maybe becoming the new face is that while the first film did make a billion dollars, and while I'm sure the second film is going to be quite successful, she's not one of the more popular characters, right? I like the first Captain Marvel movie. I like this Carol Danvers character a lot, but she's not really one of the most popular characters out there, and, and, and just pure fan popularity, I think has to be one of the things you take into consideration about whether they can become the face of the franchise or not. So some arguments for, some arguments against. All right, we got to talk about this guy, Spider-Man. Now, we had the debate the other day about whether Spider-Man could be the leader of the Avengers. That's idiotic, in my opinion. Straight up idiotic. He's a child. He is a child with notes who just two movies ago was like, I have access to people's Facebook page. I'm going to make this guy look dumb to the girl I like. Like that literally was two movies ago. You think that child can be the leader of the Avengers? Fuck no. That's one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. Not to mention, you think you think that child, you, like you got Rhodey, who's decades of military experience, a leader of men. Think Rhodey's gonna follow? Like, in what universe does Spider-Man, this child? become the leader of this guy with decades of military experience and leadership and all that kind of stuff, a leader of men. In what world does that become a reality? In what world does, say, even Sam Wilson, the new Captain America, again, military vet, like been in leadership, all that kind of trained military and tactics and all that kind of stuff. In what world does he go, yeah, I'll follow this kid who just graduated high school. That doesn't happen. But there is a difference between being the leader of the Avengers and being the face of the MCU. And we just talked about with Captain Marvel that you gotta be popular, like with the fan for if you're gonna make a character one of the faces, the forefront face of the MCU, the popularity of that character has to come into play. And listen, guy, correct me if I'm wrong. But I think there could be an argument that with Steve not there, with Tony not there. I mean, and, and you know, Natasha's gone. I think there's an argument to be made that Tom Holland's Spider-Man right now may very well, amongst fans, be the most popular character in the MCU.
3: He's the most popular character in the comics. So I mean,
0: he's definitely in the comics. Yeah, and I think there's, and not to mention his solo movie, just made one point. How much? 1.9 billion, 1.7 billion. I can't remember how much. A lot of B. <laughs> Big number. Of money at the movie. So I honestly think out of the four we've had so far, Spider-Man probably becomes the leading candidate of being like kind of the face, not the leader of the Avengers, but the face of the MCU heading forward. All right, well, what about this? Talking about guys who just had a billion dollar film, what about somebody who's not even been in the MCU yet? What about Reed Richards? Let's bring up my screen there for a second. Like we're going from Spider-Man who's been around in the MCU, a kid, all that kind of stuff. Thor is an OG. Doctor Strange been around for a bit. Captain Marvel had, you know, is coming up with the Marvel. Reed Richards hasn't even appeared in the MCU yet, but he's going to be the smartest man in the universe in the MCU once he makes his appearance. Like right now they say, sure, he is the smartest person in the MCU and she is right now. But once this guy shows up, This guy is the smartest guy in the MCU once he shows up. And if, and this is a big if, if it's John Krasinski playing him, which again, it's probably not, it's probably not. But you take a character like Reed Richards and then you take a guy with infinite charm and likability that the fans love in John Krasinski playing him, even though this character has not appeared in one frame, well, well, that's not true. He was not Doctor Strange's Multiverse of Madness, but that was another Earth's version of him. Mm-hmm. But even though whatever iteration of this Reed Richards is going to be has not even appeared for a single frame in an MCU movie yet, I think there's a strong argument that a Reed Richards, particularly if it's played by John Krasinski, could end up being one of those faces in the MCU. All right, how about this? How about Wong? Kevin Feige calls it the Wong Cinematic Universe now. Wong has kind of taken the place, actually, of um, uh, uh, Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury as kind of the connective tissue behind the various characters. He's in all the multi-team things. He's popping up in Shang-Chi. He's popping up in She-Hulk. I mean, everywhere you turn, there's Wong. It's the Wong Cinematic He is the Sorcerer Supreme. I love this character deeply i he was probably if not the then one of the top two or three most enjoyable things about she hulk which i was you know was a show i didn't like all that much but i love this character and i love this guy so although kevin feige was saying things like the wong cinematic universe part of the reality is the perception of wong is that he's a sidekick i mean am i wrong about that Mm -hmm. like he's great a lot of us love him but the reality is, I think when most people think of Wong, they think of him as a sidekick to Doctor Strange, which does not devalue him as a character, but I think that almost immediately disqualifies him as being the face of the MCU. But long live Wong. I want to see him in the MCU for a long time. I just don't think he's going to be the face of it. All right, then there's this one. Let me pull out a wild wild card here. Hank Pym.
3: I mean, he's been resistant to it for a while, right? I mean...
0: Yeah. But... We see what he's capable of. Well, I mean, the one of the things I've been saying this for a while. One of the things I love about Hank Pym is that in What If, in the animated series What if, they pretty much portrayed Hank Pym the way I think he should be portrayed. He is the most dangerous man in the world. Hank Pym in What If takes out all the Avengers. He takes out Hulk. He takes out everybody. And I love that. And then even in Ant-Man, throw up the spoiler warning. Here we go. Spoiler warning. (laughs) I was looking for spoiler pig. (laughs) You have spoiler pig. I've been hanging out with with him today. You've got spoiler pig. So (laughs) a little bit of a spoiler here for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. So mute your computers. You can unmute them when the spoiler warning goes down. But, you know, when when the battle started going bad in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, who's the one who comes marching through the walls? Look, Listen. Comes marching through the walls looking like a G. Just walking in casually. Yeah, I'm, I'm me and my ants, we're gonna fuck everything up. Bye, bye, Kang. Want y'all to remember, Kang got beat by ants. Uh, but still, being that as it is, he is one of the smartest men in the MCU universe. He is lethally dangerous. But again, do I really think he could be the face of the MCU moving forward? Nah. He's a secondary character in a secondary characters movie. I love Paul Rudd's Ant-Man. Don't get me wrong. But Paul Rudd is a secondary character in the MCU. And unfortunately, Hank Pym is a secondary character in a secondary characters movie. So that pretty much wipes that out. All right, I want to throw one more in here, though. And I believe in this one. Although you might say I'm biased. We can take the spoiler warnings down. Shang-Chi. John, you're just saying that. Because you love that movie so much. It's true. I love that movie, man. I love... I think it's the best movie that has been in Phase 4, since Phase 4. Anything in Phase 4 afterwards, I think that's been the best movie, has been Shang-Chi. I love it. It's fantastic. But there's a couple of reasons why I think Shang-Chi could be a very legitimate option to be that face. Number one, Simu Liu is becoming increasingly popular. He's got a couple of big movies coming out, including Barbie and a few other things, the, make no mistake, when he has the Ten Rings and masters the Ten Rings, he is going to be a lethally powerful character in the MCU. He's going to be a very powerful character in the MCU when he, once he has those rings. He was born and raised in a League of Assassins, basically. He was raised to be a leader of men. Um, all that kind of stuff. And remember this. Destin, who directed Shang-Chi is the director of Avengers Kang Dynasty. Now, am I necessarily saying that Destin's going to automatically play favorites with his child, with Shang-Chi? Yeah, maybe. Very well could. I mean, and because of that, because of Destin's selection, it makes me think that it could be possible that Shang-Chi could play a very vital role, a very prominent role in Avengers Kang Dynasty. Uh, now, the things working against it, Shang-Chi's been in one movie. Like So if you were yelling at your computer screen right now saying, hey, you, slow your roll a little bit. He's been in one film. You're not wrong. I, I think that is definitively the biggest argument against Shang-Chi, taking that a big, big prominent role. That, listen, this guy's been in one film. And by the way, while we understand it was in kind of the pandemic era that it came out, it wasn't a hugely successful movie. It was a great movie, but it wasn't hugely successful. So let's not forget that. So again, let's take a look at my list again. So we got Doctor Strange, Thor, Captain Marvel, Spider-Man, Reed Richards, Wong, Hank Pym, Shang-Chi. So Jonathan, let me ask you this. If you had to pick, say, two of the names that I've got here that could potentially legitimately be like the new faces of the MCU, which ones do you think would be the most likely? Um
3: only because the last time we saw doctor strange he was going off to solve an in, uh what is it called an incursion yeah an right? incursion and i think he's going to have the most experience dealing with the multiverse that's true and fi- and mending it so i i that's do that's a good point i do think doctor strange is top of my list there let me just look at it this again um doctor strange you know if they can develop Reed Richards enough then sure but we you know we just said Shang-Chi has been in one Reed has been in none really I yep. mean we don't even <laughs> yep. know if we don't even know if that's the version of
0: it, No exactly. that we're going to get. Well it's not going to be the version because that was right. what what Earth Earth 76Q15-Z right. mm-hmm. I, I I can't remember 818 one, I can't remember. <laughs> it was yeah. And that so, one's dead. The, right. the, that guy's dead. So we've
3: so I'm going Doctor Strange and then on a tactical and power level, I'd go uh,
0: Captain Marvel. Yeah, I honestly, if I'm looking at this, I'm thinking Spider-Man and Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking those two are the most. I think special.
3: Spider-Man's going to be our spiritual kind of. That's you mean, know, like the
0: not the leader of the yeah. Avengers, but kind of the face of the MCU. So, so, so what are we, ta- are we
2: talking about the leader of the Avengers right. or who no, should the, be the kind of,
0: face? Like the face, like when you looked, like, yeah, Steve and Tony were the leaders of the Avengers, but they were like the faces of the MCU to the I, audience and the fans.
2: It's not going to be the same, this one. I think the leader of the Avengers should be just the guy who makes sense or the, the person who makes sense. Who do you think that if, is? If, if they can't just shoe in somebody because, oh, they'll make the most money. Just make it make sense. I would prefer that the face of the If M- you say one punch man I'm leaving. No no no, the fa- the face of the MCU obviously it's got to be like Tom Holland. It has to be him. Yeah, you think it's uh, Spider-Man. But but if it has if it's going to be Sam Wilson, let it be Sam Wilson. We'll see how it rides out. I think it makes sense cuz he has that military background. He could uh anyone who could uh, strategize against whatever they're up against is should be the leader. Uh, I, uh, and bring up the uh the group morale or Bring things together if the group is like separating. I think that's the character, and I I don't know if I find that in anybody yet other than Sam Wilson. What about Rhodey. Rhodey's great. Yeah. I would prefer him because uh, War Machine is just See, so I, dope. I think what you War have... Machine is just like the craziest yeah. suits. I love the War Machine suits over any Iron Man suit. So. Yeah, I would love him, but he—they haven't put him up in the front that much. Where it, well, we got it, Iron Wars coming out, right? Yeah, yeah. So it would be like kind of like a blowback to be like, oh wow, he's speaking up a lot more. You know, he's—he's—but he's, I could see him taking that role. Yeah, I would love to see Rhodey at the front front line, but he might be the first one to die too. Yeah, against yeah. Kang because he's just a—he's just a suit. Well, he might—he might, might not
0: make it out of Iron Wars, so we yeah. just don't well, know. Yet.
3: I mean, I think you've got a mixture of the government connection and tactical. But then you got the big picture people, which I think I think even audiences look up to Doctor Strange, as a can you fix this? Can you explain this
0: to us? Well, even Spider Man, when he had a problem, he couldn't fix. He went first guy he went to was to he Doctor went there. Strange. And if you
3: feel audience reactions at the time, like when you're in the theater, people have a uh, have a connection with with Doctor Strange, where they feel like, hey man, these two people are gone. We got it. We're looking to you. Like we look to Luke at the end of a force awakens and then of course we got the la- the lightsaber chuck but but i think they look to him
0: all right guys question is for you what do you think about this? Like right now in the MCU, it's, it's a little bit identity less. We don't really have anybody who's a face of the MCU right now. No discernible DNA or leadership, but we've got a ways to go until we get to Avengers 5 and 6. Who do you think Marvel is going to kind of set up as the face or faces of the MCU by the time we get there? Do you think it's any of the people that I've listed here? Maybe you think I'm leaving some people out. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. Before we move on here, we're going to take a quick second here and thank one of the sponsors of our video today, the great folks over at Rocket Money. Guys, we want to thank a sponsor of this video, Rocket Money. The average person has around 12 paid subscriptions. Think about that. If you think you're only subscribed to a handful of services, you might want to double check. With Rocket Money, you can quickly identify and cancel all of your unwanted subscriptions. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitor your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Rocket Money will quickly and easily identify your subscriptions for you so you can stop paying for the ones you don't want and don't even use. Simply find the subscription you don't want and press, cancel and Rocket Money will cancel it for you. No more long hold times with customer service or tedious emailing back and forth. Rocket Money makes canceling subscriptions as easy as the click of a button. My wife Ann and I moved out of Burbank 2 years ago, and one of the first things I discovered when I loaded up Rocket Money was that I was still paying for a gym membership I haven't even been to in Burbank in 2 years. So stop throwing away your money. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to Rocket rocketmoney.com campia that's rocketmoney.com campia rocketmoney.com campia and thank you to our friends at rocket money for sponsoring this episode of the john campy show remember guys when you check out and support our sponsors you're actually supporting us so go down to the description of this video right at the top you'll find links and promo codes for the sponsors of today's show and thank you again to rocket money all right guys with that down, let's go back over to our Mint Mobile hotline, shall we? And this time we're talking about... Well, we've heard this before. But maybe aged Harrison Ford in some Star Wars? Check it out. Hi, John and crew. This is Justin, your Canadian neighbor in Minnesota. I saw an interview that Yahoo's Kevin Polowoy did with Pedro Pascal. He was asked if there's a legacy Star Wars character he hopes will show up in Mando. And while Pedro wanted to answer, he couldn't, leading me to believe that his fan favorite is showing up this season... While Mace Windu and Ezra are interesting picks for the Jedi who saved Grogu during Order 66, I'm still wondering if Harrison Ford will show up based on rumors of an appearance last year during Boba Fett and his recent de-aging in Indiana Jones 5. What are your thoughts? Thank you, and bring on the filthy. All right, Justin. Thanks a lot for calling that in. And yeah, look, this is this is kind of interesting. Now, the thing about Mandalorian is, if I had to point out one of the things that bother me a little bit about the mandalorian is it's over reliance on pointless fan service like to there's just I'm like listen don't get me wrong i love mandalorian I, I love this show i stayed up till midnight and watched it when it dropped on disney plus i'll do it again next week i love this show but you know in all the things that i love there are things that could be better and i think one of the things that have always stood out to me about a negative about mandalorian is just like you says look everybody remember him or remember that everyone like they they kind of fall back on that a lot and it's kind of jarring to me sometimes so the idea but but then they pull out a Luke at the end of of season 2 and that that worked i mean that narratively made sense it had the right build up to it had this huge payoff that was an example of it being done really really well so i i love it when it works well so yeah The idea when Peter Pascal says, I can't answer that question. When they ask him, are we going to have any big surprise legacy characters? Whatever. He says, I can't answer that. I mean, look, does anybody doubt where they're going to get that? When they saw the pop that Luke got at the end. I mean, literally people. Ray, you saw these. You showed me half of these things. Reactions of people around the world watching Luke showing up and crying. Like like tears, people crying that Luke was showing up. It was an emotional, great moment. You know, they're instantly going, okay, who do we bring back next? Who pops up next that can get us the big pop? Now- Big papa. Big papa. <laughs> you guys might remember that about a year or so ago, long before Book of Boba Fett came out, there was a story going around that Harrison Ford was seen on the set of where they were shooting Book of Boba Fett. And these reports, I think you got the link there, Jonathan. Yeah. That these reports saying that Harrison Ford actually shot for a couple of days. The, The reports came out that said Harrison Ford was there. Now, granted, these reports did not come from the Hollywood Reporter or anything like that. But these reports are going around that Harrison Ford was spotted on set or around the sound stages of where they were shooting Book of Boba Fett and said he did several days of shooting. Now, I remember we talked about this, the rumor was that he was now going to pop up in the Book of Boba Fett. We were going to see a DH aged version of Harrison Ford in the Book of Boba Fett. And I said at the time, I went back and looked at the old episode of our show. I said, I don't believe this. I mean, obviously, there could be some truth to it. I mean, they're, they're always looking to get that cheap fan pop out of people. So it's something they could do, but I don't buy it. I don't think this is what they're doing. And sure enough, Book of Boba Fett came out, came and went, no Harrison Ford. But could there be a case to be made that maybe that report was true, that Harrison Ford, while he was shooting Indiana Jones 5 and was doing a lot of de-aging for that, took time to step over for a couple of days to the volume and where they're shooting Book of Boba Fett to shoot some footage for not Book of Boba Fett, but maybe for a Mandalorian season three. The first thing I will say about that is it is not the most ridiculous theory we have seen, particularly in big franchises, where they have shot stuff with people way in advance just because they knew they were going to use it somewhere down the road. We've seen that. As a matter of fact, they did that with, um, I believe they said they did that with Stan Lee, did they not? I believe they shot a bunch of things with Stan Lee. Kind of booked them. Yeah, they, they kind of yeah, they they shot a bunch of things, even if it wasn't for the immediate thing they had coming out or whatever. They recorded some stuff with them, they shot some stuff with them. But we've seen that happen in franchises before too, where they've done that. So is it conceivable that they decided that we're gonna shoot some stuff with Harrison Ford while 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 we've got him booked, like he's shooting Indiana Jones five for us right now with Lucasfilm? So why we've got his time booked and we're not shooting anything on set that day for Indiana Jones 5, is it conceivable? They said, hey, Harrison, we're going to send you over to the sound stages over here and we're going to shoot some Han Solo stuff. Conceivable? Yes. And when you compound that with the fact that they got this big, huge pop with Luke being at the end of Mandalorian season two and they got a big excitement again with Luke, popping up again in Book of Boba Fett, also known as Mandalorian season Mm 2.5. It becomes even more conceivable that they would love to have Harrison Ford make a quick appearance. However, I still don't buy it. I still don't buy it. And there's two main reasons I don't buy it. Is it possible? Yes. Am I telling you it can't possibly happen? No. But there are two reasons why I don't buy it. Reason number one is, I don't think Harrison Ford wants to play Han Solo anymore. I mean, the only way he would come back and do The Force Awakens is if they promised him they would kill him off. So they did. That being said, he still did pop up again as the ghost of Han Solo in in another movie, but still, I I personally think Harrison Ford is overplaying Han Solo. I don't think he wants to do it anymore. The second thing is this. You don't need a de-aged Harrison Ford when you've got Alden Ehrenreich. Alden Ehrenreich is, whether you like it or not, he is our younger version of Han Solo now. And listen, while the Han Solo movie bombed, there's no sugarcoating that. The Han Solo movie bombed. Like Rob and I, and I think a lot of people still think that was a good movie. I like it. It was an unnecessary movie. It was a movie they never should have made, to be honest with you. But it was good. It was a good space action adventure film. I had a really good time with it. And you know what? I thought Alden Ehrenreich who we just got to see again. That was him in Cocaine Bear, wasn't it? Nice. Yes. All right. Who we just got to see him again in Cocaine Bear. I think Alden Ehrenreich did a terrific job of playing Han Solo without doing a Harrison Ford impersonation. That was the one thing I was worried about him doing. I was worried about him trying to do a Harrison Ford. He took that character, honored the key aspects of the character, but still made it his own. And I thought he did a great job with that. So if you need a younger Han Solo, what just bring Alden Ehrenreich back. Although I don't think they have any plans of doing a sequel to Solo, whatever. So, I I mean, I don't know. Uh, The question is for you guys. What do you think about this? Do you think there could be a chance that Harrison Ford actually did last year shoot some footage for a Mandalorian season three? It seems like a stretch for me, but I concede it would be at least possible, even if I don't think it's going to happen. But maybe you think it's a lock. Maybe you think it's 100%. Listen, they got that big success with Luke, they want to do it again with Han, and if they've got Han there, why not do it? I don't know, guys. Whatever you think, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, oh, there it is. You see the symbol behind my head? <laughs> it's not the real Batman symbol. Uh-oh. Kind of looks like your Batman right and now. The, I, there you go. <laughs> but it is it is nonetheless a Batman symbol. BBC Going to talk a little bit about Batman Beyond. <laughs> so, or we, or we don't
2: have to at all.
0: <laughs> you know what? You're right. Let's move on to the next no. topic. No. So, Batman <laughs> Beyond. This is this is a, a was a little animated show, a, a comic book character, little animated show, lasted a couple of seasons, then disappeared. But to say that it has a passionate fan base would be an understatement. It has a. They don't want to admit this, but it's true. A small. Oh my God. But very passionate fan base. Not unlike, say, passionate the fashion fan base of something like Firefly and Serenity, which I love Firefly and Serenity. I'm one of those. But it was a small fan base, but a very passionate one. Very passionate one. And for a long time, people have been wanting to see, some people have been wanting to see, a Batman Beyond return. And I have said for over a decade, it ain't going to happen. And everybody keeps telling me, yes, it will, John. Any minute now, we're going to get a Batman Beyond. And for 10 years, I've been told, any minute now, we're going to get a Batman Beyond. For 10 years, we haven't. Now, then something funny happened. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse came out. And not only was that movie fabulous and utterly fantastic, and one of the best, I'll say it, not just animated, one of the best comic book movies ever made. One of the other repercussions of that was Even somebody like me had to go, you know, if they could make Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse with a Miles Morales, who the average film fan does not associate some dude named Miles Morales with Spider-Man, they think Peter Parker. If they can do that and do that so well and so successfully with Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, I think a Batman Beyond project could be more likely than ever before. Now, I still never thought it would be live action because to people, there is only one Batman. Bruce Wayne is Batman, period, end of sentence. That's it. Not Chuckles McGee. What is the guy's name? Terry McGinnis. Terry McGinnis. (laughs) Good old Chuckles McGee. Oh my
2: God, it's crazy. I went to high school with him. (laughs) Oh, I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yes, sir. Yeah. Good old Chuckles McGee. P. Hole Peter. Just oh, ready to go. No. I think I went to high school I, with him too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean <laughs> ready to go. So I mean, but wow. that's but that's the reality. The film goers, the average audience does not know whatever McGinty. What is it? P-hole, P Hole Peter. P-hole 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 P Hole Peter. P. Peter. P. Hole Pete. The old Pete. Good Just old call people. me Receipt
2: Ray because I'm taking all these receipts right now. <laughs> I'm Ray. taking all these receipts, baby. Because when Batman Beyond comes out and it's awesome, <laughs> I'm going to take out my wallet, my fat wallet, overflowing wallet. I'll be like, John, what's this? What happened in, back then? What happened in 1942? Because <laughs> it's going to be a long time until we see a Batman Beyond live action. I'll admit to that. But it's going to be awesome when we get it.
0: Well, uh, Terry McGinnis, people in the live chat reminding me, Terry McGinnis could have been closer to a movie than we maybe thought. Because according to reports, that back when Walter Hamada was still the president of DC Films, of course he is not any longer. According to, to reports right now, Walter Hamada did greenlight, not, not greenlit a movie, but he greenlit development. Of a Batman Beyond animated film. Which is what I thought could be a better possibility after we saw Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And apparently Walter Hamada did give a green light and say, start putting that together. Let's see what this looks like. Start developing it. Let's see if it looks like something we could do. Now, obviously, this was years ago that he did that. And since then, Walter Hamada is obviously no longer with DC. Walter Hamada is no longer the president of DC Films. None of the leadership that was there. AT&T, who owned Warner Brothers at the time, is no longer there. There are new sheriffs in town. And they are, of course, under the names of James Gunn and Peter Safran, who are the leaders now of DC. Now, according to these reports that revealed that Walter Hamada did greenlight the development of an animated Batman Beyond, the report also says that officially... Such development was never scrapped. All right? That's according to these reports. The development was never actually scrapped. Then again, it never did make it out of the development stage. And under the new direction of Gun and Saffron, it looks like this animated feature is dead. But it's not officially dead. But it was never officially alive to begin with either. Some to remember. So the question becomes, if Walter Hamada, the former president of DC Films, could have seen the potential at least in trying to develop a Batman Beyond animated film. Could James Gunn and Peter Safran, who obviously would have access to any development that did happen, could they at one point say, you know what, let's take a swing at that. Let, let, let's let see what happens. Let's go with it. Now, I'm going to go on record right now and say I don't think they will. I don't think James Gunn and Peter Safran are interested in developing and continue to develop anything that came with the previous regime. I think they're more focused on their own slate, their own creations at this point. But all that development that did go into a potential animated Batman beyond film is still there. And if they ever thought, you know what? I would like to take a look at that. It would be there for them to pick up the pieces and keep going with it. I still don't think it'll happen, but I will give it a bigger than I have ever given it before. 25% 25% chance. Oh I've never gone that high. Easy. Easy. Hey, easy. One <laughs> okay. That's one in four. Okay. That's one in four. That's not that's not terribly low odds. That is the best odds I've ever th- thought. So yeah, do I think within the next five years we could hear maybe more movement on a Batman Beyond animated film? Yes. Live action? No. Maybe 25 years from now or whatever, but but animated I me, I don't I, know Ray. You you seem to have some very very strong. I just want right. to what say, you if you're
2: at twenty five percent, I'm at twenty six percent, buddy. <laughs> On my way to that hot toy. <laughs> I
3: I honestly, coming off the Flash movie and seeing, uh, Keaton where he's at in his life. Yeah, I could see, him reaching out and making connection with the next with a uh, uh, possible live action Batman Beyond. You know, handing the cowl over. But
0: but do you let, let's or, let's be honest. Here. Let's do yeah. one
3: off.
2: Let's let, what if Batman Beyond was a one off? Even if it was just for HBO Max, let's. It's gonna be awesome. Well, I have no doubt. It could doubt. be Batman Beyond would be awesome. Just think of like Batman, but with all the stuff on him. You know, like all the all the that stuff up on him. It's like a iron iron well, oh, a war no. machine. Iron Man, Batman.
0: But do you let me ask you this though? Do you do a lot? Do you put up 150 million dollars just because Michael Keaton says, Hey, I'd be interested in playing old man Batman? Yes, no, you don't because <laughs> you know you're not going to make that money back. Yeah, just um, because uh, correct me if I'm wrong, somebody somebody, point me to I can't remember what the last one was. What was the last movie Michael Keaton starred in where it, that made a billion dollars? Oh, great, Birdman. We need to go
3: through all of them. <laughs> like Birdman, yeah, Birdman was awesome. It was awesome, but it didn't make Yeah,
0: What was what was the one called again where he was him and uh he was the newspaper uh guy oh, with uh, spotlight. Spotlight. Yeah. Oh my god. The Founder spotlight. baby. The Founder. So Michael Keaton op- um. is a
2: national spread so, so let's separate that. Yeah, the money thing, but also name the past movies that were actually good that he was in. Wow. He's we been just in 20 to a, of of a ton movie.
0: of them. He's, he's, but he's been in good movies, but just putting him in there. Look, the, the, the protege was freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't care what anybody says. It was not as good as the first one. That RoboCop remake was not bad. Oh, with uh, Joel Kinnaman? Yes. I love that movie. I, I know. Oh. Everybody wants to crap on because they're so loyal to the original. And the original is much better. But I like that one. And Michael Keaton was really good in it. But my point is, with all those fantastic movies that Michael Keaton stars in, ain't none of them were huge box office hits, right? So you can't say that just by, like everybody's excited that he's coming back as Batman in the Flash movie, yes. But is that going to be the difference between the Flash movie making $300 million at the box office and a billion dollars at the box office? No. I think that movie was going to be a big hit regardless. Um, So I, I don't think you can just go... We'll just drop Michael Keaton in it and everybody will come but see what it. I they, don't know
2: if that's true. But what if they front load it with an actor, let's say, that has never done a, this type of movie, Timothy Chalamet mm-hmm. as Terry McGinnis Right. With Michael Keaton. That just sounds fire to me. I mean, I don't know. I
0: I, I don't. Okay, I'm, just... I'm going to tell you right now you get David Zaslav tomorrow to announce a Batman Beyond movie with Michael Keaton as Old Man Batman and Timothy Chalamet as P-Hole p Hole oh Pete or God. whatever his name is. You put respect on P.O. Pete's name, buddy. <laughs> okay, uh, D- yes, saying, David, well.
3: David Zaslav's office, please. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just okay, saying, I'll Tim- hold, Tim- I'll Timothy hold.
0: doesn't make a lot of uh, I will be interested in that movie. You announce that tomorrow. I'm telling you right now, I will be interested in that movie. I still don't know that it makes $700 million at the box office, but I will personally be interested in that I, movie. I, I'm making the most
2: obnoxious arguments against you right now just because I want <laughs> this damn movie. All right. I will make things up just to win this argument that we need this movie. I'll take an animated movie. That's fine. It started as animated. Give me the animated movie. Let me ask but you they this canceled question. all the animated movies.
0: I think it could work. I, I, listen, I'm on record. I've been on record for a while. I think an animated movie of this could work. But let me ask you this question. If we went over to the AMC Burbank 16 and stood outside and conducted a survey for the oh, afternoon gosh. of all just average film fans coming out of coming out of the theater. And we were to ask them, would you want to see a movie about Terry McGinnis? How many what percentage? Honestly, let me let me ask each one of the three of you guys it looks over like here. that. Honestly, what percentage of the people average film goers coming out of that theater would even know who Terry McGinnis well, is. That's why
1: you have trailers. I'm going to say 30%. Why does, you
0: think as high as 30? I do. I really do. Three, it's not a spoiler pick. Why does it have to be in front of Burbank
2: per- uh, AMC?
1: Can't we
0: just go to every basement one. in America? No, I think every you say, I think
3: you say Terry McGinnis. I think you say that name, no. But you say Batman Beyond It's going to raise from there. And what about a... You, I'll
0: go to 10%
3: maybe. I think you introduce him within you know a, a franchise that's already popular. Now hey, let, let me give it.
0: you the argument against myself that you guys should have thrown at me.
3: People this is the argument Scott you Lang. should have
0: thrown back at me. Hey, John, if we did that survey outside of AMC Burbank 16, how many people a couple of years ago would have known the name Miles Morales? Mm-hmm.
3: Right? Why is it Scott Lang? Because that yeah. would
0: also would have been a small, that would have been a small number. Because people think of Spider-Man, they think of Peter Parker. So, I mean, there's that. But you know what? The favorite
2: part about the my one of my favorite parts about the Batman is when he started pulling out that cool tech. And I was just like, that's Batman Beyond tech right there that he had in the, the that he put in a oh, you're eye. Talking about the eye." And I was, I just, just that little tease of a, the Batman Beyond sort of thing. I was like, man, that would be so cool if he did a full on Tron Batman sort of thing.
0: I don't know. All I- right, guys, the question is for you. Apparently Walter Hamada, the former president of DC Films, had put into development a Batman Beyond animated film, according to reports. It looks like it's probably just sitting on a shelf dead somewhere right now, but one never knows. Do you think that in the next couple of years, maybe James Gunn and Peter Safran could come across and say, you know what? Maybe we should take a swing at the bat with an animated film like this. I mean, hey, you wouldn't even have to put tons of money into it. It could be a straight to HBO thing. I don't know. What do you think the possibilities are of something like that? Whatever you guys think, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down... Let's move on to our final main topic here today. We're going to stick in the realm of Batman, shall we? But we're going to talk about the real Batman. Oh, boy. Oh, wow. I'm out of here. We're, we're going to be talking. You know I I can't get my monitor stand to work. <laughs> Whatever. We're going to talk about the real Batman here. And that story is this. According to... Oh, my God. And you put that Batman logo on well, the Well, that's perfect. the only thing that... They <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. that show. It was great. So, we all know, after... James Gunn and Peter Saffron made their big announcements that one of the movies that they have coming is a Batman movie, Batman the Bold or the Brave and the Bold. And it is going to have a Damian Wayne Robin in it. Now, what we also, and Ray's very happy about that. Love it, Damian. <laughs> On top of that, we also found out early before the big announcements came that James Gunn did announce to the world, let the world know that him and Peter Saffron had sat down with. Ben Affleck, who is no longer going to be our Batman. He's my favorite Batman, just for the record. But he was no longer going to be Batman, but he is one of the world's finest directors. World's finest. And they won a (laughs) world's finest. You caught it. I'm glad you did. He is one of the world's finest. And that James and Peter want to work with him directing film, and that Ben wants to direct a DC film. James Gunn said, the only issue now is we're just going to have to figure out what the right project is. Now, James Gunn implied that it was not going to be The Brave and the Bold. It was going to be another film. But there are reports that have come out, particularly with um, uh, above, the, uh, above the Line, I think it was the name of the outlet. Uh, there are reports coming out that actually maybe that movie is indeed Brave and the Bold. Uh, above the Line was named the outlet. is reporting that it very well could be The Brave and the Bold. Now, I don't believe that report personally, because again, James Gunn had already kind of said it won't be that one. He's implied it wouldn't be that one. On top of that, I think if Ben Affleck was going to do a Batman movie, he would want it to be the one on the script that he wrote. He'd want it to be that Terminator-based script with Deathstroke. I think that's the one he would want to do, not one with a Damian Wayne. So I and so those are the reasons why I don't think that's going to happen. And if you want to take you know a little Twitter spat going into it about what happened there, and we can go over to uh, to my screen here on this. So you know somebody brought up didn't James Gunn say in a previous interview that Affleck is not directing a Brave and the Bold? I get that Gunn is something of a professional liar, but still. To which James Gunn, who, listen, I get it. People love it when the the celebrities are more active on Twitter. Honestly, I love James Gunn. I'm a super big fan that he's running DC, all that kind of stuff. But if I were to have a phone conversation with Gunn, I would tell him, listen, dude, the one thing you got to do is you got to pull back a little. Bit. You don't have to engage with people online, on Twitter. Pull back a bit. But James Gunn decided to respond to that person, say, for years, it has been my commitment to the fans that I will never lie to them. And I never have. I'd be very curious about what it is you think I've lied about. So basically he he's kind of confirming here that, yeah, I did say that Ben was not going to be directing Bold and the Brave. And I have never lied to the fans. Now this created something more, uh a little bit more of a oh my God. back and forth. <laughs> because and this is a this is a huge problem with online fandom who, of course will twist and turn things to mean whatever they want it to mean. Um, And the person said to them, well, when James Gunn said to him, hey, what do you think I've ever lied about? Well, the person responded that you said you didn't want to run DC and not wanting to make a Superman film, for starters, James, you lied about that. And of course, James Gunn followed up and he said this, He said, neither of those were lies. I was offered a Superman movie, but I wanted to do Suicide Squad instead. A few years later, I saw how to tackle Superman and I decided to take it on. I didn't want to be the sole CEO of DC, but when they came and offered it to me and Peter, I said yes, because I could focus on the creative side. But, you know, it's again, this is why I would tell James not to bother trying to deal with these uh, these online folks who will just twist and spin to make any kind of argument they want. You lied when you said you didn't want to make Superman. No, I didn't want to make Superman at the time. I wanted to make Suicide Squad. You said you didn't want to run DC, and I didn't. But when they said that I could do it with somebody else so I could focus on creative, that's different. And I get it. Love well, that you said. You know it's also
3: true? That what's guy that? still lives in his mom's basement.
0: Yeah, yeah, probably. And you know, n- I was just thinking true. about
3: how how he's still in that basement. James Gunn replied in that voice too. <laughs> he was like,
0: "I didn't lie. I never <laughs> lied. I never
3: lied." That's, about exactly Superman. Superman. that's what he sounds like. That's <laughs> how
0: <laughs> James always speaks. Didn't you know that? That's uh, that's how he attracted his wife. That's to why life. I stay off social media, baby. I, I mean, listen. I, I'll tell you what. And I think James needs to stay a little bit more away because why, James? James, listen to me because I know you're watching, James. Why are you wasting your time with troglodytes like this? Batman Beyond. Yeah, come on, Jane. Batman, Batman Beyond. beyond. <clears throat> Batman, Jonathan dropping subliminal message. Why are you wasting your time that you should be spending... Mm-hmm. Batman Beyond. <laughs> on with Batman Beyond, Peter. apparently. <laughs> talk, oh, wow, you said it! Responding That's crazy. to people like this. Don't waste your time, dude. You're the anyway, let's get back to the okay, main okay, thing. Yeah, right. Let's get back to the main point, okay, which okay. is the whole Batman bold and the brave. Yeah. Um, yeah, listen... I everybody knows Ben Affleck is my favorite Damn. Batman. I wanted and I desperately wanted to see him direct a Batman movie, but I don't think this is the one. Right? What are you? <laughs> don't do it. Always remember, that. Taylor, <laughs> you're oh, you yeah. put up Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Thing. I Gun, control.
1: Control. behind and Look at that. Okay, go go back, go back. <laughs> We're talking about. Oh,
0: right. go, back? Yeah, yeah, go back. So <laughs> Ben, I've always wanted to see Ben direct a Batman movie, but I wanted I want to see him direct. His Batman movie, yeah, you know, and and his Batman movie is not Brave and the Bold.
3: Well, it's it's the same idea of James
0: Gunn wanting to create his DCU. Yes, right. So yep, absolutely. So listen, I am going to be super excited whenever they announce whatever DC movie that Ben Affleck is going to direct because whatever movie he decides to direct, it's going to be awesome because he is and I know it's weird, and it's been a beat since he's done one, but he's one of the finest directors in the world right now. When you look back at his filmography, oh, oh, this thing (laughs) tipped over. It was a domino effect. Oh, okay. When you look at his filmography, and like even his We Own the Night, yeah, that was his poorest movie. Yes, it was his poorest movie, but that was still a good movie. And then- he only directed a film that won Best Picture at the Academy Awards with Argo. Uh, you know, Gone Baby Gone, uh, The Town. He's just he just directs awesome movies. I will be super excited to see Look, whatever it is he decides to direct.
2: Uh, the same thing with Ben or Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck. I I really was hurt that they didn't get their own movies. Like I wanted to see them a little more. And yeah, Ben me too. Affleck, even under a on the directing chair, would be a nice like thing for me to, you know. I don't know. Just like a one thing that he can uh, do for the Batman fans or, or the mm. him playing Batman
0: for the fans of that. Yeah, now, we're not going to see him play Batman. Oh, movie. yeah, yeah. I know I mean, that, where are but the just Flash? having his hands Flash, on anything. Flash, yeah, but it's we're going like, to see him in the Flash. But yeah. I, I'm just telling you that while I would love to see him direct a Batman movie, that's clearly not going to happen. I will still be equally as excited. Well, maybe not equally as excited, but mm-hmm. still quite excited to see him direct any DCU film. Yeah, yeah, because Marvel snatched him up. Yeah, Marvel the stuff. movie. For sure he's been will. in Marvel before. Anyway, guys. Oh, don't forget. He's got that uh, Air movie coming about the Air looks Jordans. Great. Looks which good. looks fantastic. I can't wait to see that. Ben killing it. All right, guys. Question is for you. What do you think about this? Do you think that, do you believe the reports that they're actually looking at Ben Affleck to direct Brave and the Bold? I, I really don't buy it at all. But hey, anything's within the realm of possibility. James Gunn can do whatever he wants. And maybe it's something that Ben really wants to do. But I think it's going to be something else. What do you guys think about that? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, we are now going to open up the Super Chats. If you guys have a thought, theory, opinion, or question you'd like us to address here in the next part of our show, go ahead and start firing in that now. But before we get to those, we want to take just a moment and thank the sponsor of this video, Ryan Reynolds' own Mint Mobile. We want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. If saving more and spending less is one of your top goals for 2023, why are you still paying insane amounts of money every month for your phone bill? Switching to Mint Mobile is the easiest way to save this year. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just 15 bucks a month. You guys know I made the switch over to Mint Mobile a while ago. The process couldn't have been easier and I can't believe that I am spending less than a third of what I was spending on one of the other major carriers before. By going online only and eliminating the traditional costs of retail, Mint Mobile passes the significant savings on to you. All plans come with unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and switch easily in minutes with eSIM. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door free, go to mintmobile.com. Slash Campia. That's mintmobile.com slash campia. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at Mint Mobile for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. All right, guys, with that down, let's get to your questions here, shall we? Jonathan, what do we got up in here?
3: Okay. First up, we've got Dr. Stinky who writes, last night I was watching Creed. This girl next to me takes shoes off, starts rubbing her feet, Talks the entire film and pulls out her phone. That sounds that does sound stinky, Dr. Stinky.
0: Um, all right. That's while a little uncomfortable, I don't I don't mind if somebody wants to take their shoes off. Whatever, you're gonna be comfortable. That's fine. As long as you don't suffer from really horrible smelling feet, I'm that's fine.
3: Well, or that they don't cross into your personal space. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Then you know what? Whatever you do, you be be comfortable. The, the pulling out your phone. I again. We were at a screening the other night and some dude pulled out his phone to start texting and the security guy came walking right up to him, it was like, put that the way, and then just stood there and watched him the whole time. Theater's got to become more aggressive in dealing with people like that. Theaters have to become more aggressive because there is unless your name starts with Mr. President or the letters DR, period, you can be without your phone for a hundred minutes. All right? You can be without your phone for 100 minutes. Put the goddamn thing away. Anyway, all right, what's next?
3: Next up, we've got TJ Perry. We all know Kang in the comics was Reed Richards' distant descendant. Uh, In Quantum Mania, what did Janet call him before uh, she said, who is Kang? Well, we were asked that uh, yesterday. Yeah, we were asked the
0: exact same questions. Like, if she only thought his name was Kang later, what did she call him before that? I'm like, oh. Mr. K. I don't know. Hey, Mr. K. Hey, Mr. K. But here's the more tragic answer. We don't care. (laughs) The the movie didn't make it so we would even care. Like, that's a really interesting question. It's just that we probably don't care what his name was. You know why? Because the movie was poorly written.
1: You know, Colonel Sanders in the live chat put out a good one. Uh, Maybe it was Daddy. Yeah,
2: that's Mm -hmm. what I said. I just said Daddy. What the heck? I'm
1: missing out on this. What's going on?
2: Come on. I'm I'm
1: babysitting spoiler pig.
3: (laughs) I don't know right. that it mattered. Even if it was well-written, it, it doesn't matter. That's not, oh, his name was Hank. Wow, that means yeah. so much. It's Kevin. All right, what's next? All right, Amin uh, writes, the actress who cameoed as uh, Dinah is Canadian and really hasn't been in anything. Do you think they'll keep her for season two or recast with someone more experienced?
0: Um, I don't know why they would put her in because they did so purposefully. Why would you put her in if it's not the actress you're going to use? So uh I my get look, who knows? No idea. It's perfectly fine if they decide to recast it, but why not? Why not use her if if you did get listen, a lot of people didn't know. Uh what's her name? Amon Vellani, mm-hmm. who played Miss Marvel. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew who she was, but they did the screen tests. They did the work with her, they put her through vigorous rounds and rounds and rounds of auditions, and said, Yeah, she's the right person to be Miss Marvel, and they went and they got her. And if they've done the same thing with this girl. Keep her. If not, don't. But I, I think they'll probably end up keeping it. We'll find out though next year. All right, what's next?
3: Whenever someone brings up that, I just I just I, I referenced them to the uh, Lawrence of Arabia poster where it says introducing Peter O'Toole.
0: Aha. Uh-huh. Is that what it said on the poster? Oh yeah. Oh my god, I gotta get that poster.
3: Uh Josh Becker writes the soundtrack and
0: score of Cree 3 was amazing. The soundtrack was really oh, good. Oh yeah. I well, remember actually when we got when Ray Ann and I got back into the uh into the car afterwards. Like, Ann was driving, and the first thing we did was, play this song that was in the movie. Play this song. And it, yeah, Yeah. it's a a banger soundtrack. It's a really, really banger soundtrack. And you know what? I kept waiting for the classic Rocky kind of music to play. And while there were a few moments where you could hear an homage to the classic Rocky music, play a little bit, like as an homage a little bit here and there, they kind of avoided it too. But yeah, the music, the soundtrack was great. The score was great. It's just a great movie guys if you haven't seen creed 3 yet go see creed 3 it's a hell of a lot of fun all right what's next
3: all right Suthius writes kamala would uh kamala could be one of the few new faces of phases five and six she's very charming while it may not be canon she is in a new live action storyline of disney's newest ship uh as an avenger in training by sam
0: i
2: have no idea what we're talking about the cruise line Oh, that little movie that they play in, on that right. cruise, she's, she's supposedly part Yeah, that part thing is,
0: that's not canon at all. I mean, listen, I, I don't think I could see her. While Ms. Marvel is one of the best things that Disney has produced in the last couple of years, it's Ms. Marvel is utterly fantastic. Uh, a lot better than some of the other crap they've been putting out. Anyway, while I think it's fantastic, the reality is, though, you know, she's not, the character's not popular enough. to to become one of the faces. I would love it. I just don't see them promoting it. But you know what? Let's see what the reaction to her is after she appears in the Marvels movie. Then maybe that'll heighten her profile a little bit. But I I don't see it happen. even though I'm a huge fan, huge fan. All right, what's next?
3: All right, Bobby Jackson is next, who writes, John, you mentioned the Avengers not following a child, but none of them know he's a kid. Uh, Even his villains think he's an adult. I don't think he'll uh, lead them, but not because he's viewed as a child.
0: Okay, okay. I've had somebody say that to me before, but they don't know who he is. You think Rhodey is going to follow anybody and he doesn't know who they are? Right. You think you think Sam Wilson is going to follow somebody? The top he military. You, know, you think you're going to follow? Like, okay, uh, you're some dude in mask. I don't know you. I know nothing about you. You're our leader. Never happen. Never, ever ever happen so yeah there there's no way they're going to follow somebody particularly as an avenger if they don't even know who that person is never happened in a million years not not in the mcu like maybe in in a fairy tale cartoon or in in a comic book page or something like that that's different but in a live action environment there is no way in freaking hell they would follow some dude in the mask we know you're a really good fighter you can be our leader but but not actually know anything about them or who they are. Never happened. For all they know, it could be Baron Baron Zemo under the mask, right? Oh, he pulls off
3: the mask and then it's just a purple mask. And it's just a purple (laughs) mask under it.
0: I mean, yeah, no way they would do it. All
3: right, what's next? All right, King Tannic writes, I added a bigger workload that I can't drop, plus my job. I get less sleep than than I need. You had little sleep for a while due to the show some years ago. Yeah. How do you get up with energy so your work won't suffer?
0: Um athletic greens no <laughs> hey listen athletic greens sure as hell helped i i still i'm still on athletic greens every single day it's the only way i get all the, the right amount of nutrients that i need because i i don't eat particularly well um you just do it i mean that's this thing listen there's some nights i'm working up until about two o'clock in the morning and i still got to set my alarm for six you just do it because it's got to be done i mean i mean that's that's just look and i i think that's my dad uh raising me. um, You do it because it has to be done. Like I wake up in the morning. I may not want to get out of bed at six, but guess what? If I don't get out of bed at six that particular day, and even though I'm dragging my ass and I'm super tired and I can barely keep my eyes open, if I don't do it, then shit doesn't get done. And shit not getting done is not an option. You do it because you got to do it. And eventually your body starts, look, you've got to evaluate. And, and fortunately for me, I have some really good people in my life, primarily my wife, who knows me better than anybody and knows how to help me manage myself and forcing me to take time when I need to take time. But yeah, you, you do it because, you know, I talk to too many people today. It's like, how do I get, how do I, what's the word? Oh yeah, How do I get motivated to do the things I want to do? If you're not motivated enough just by the fact that it's something that needs to be done, then you're not a grown-up. I I, I know. I'm sorry. I know that sounds harsh. I know that it's not what people want to hear. Everybody wants to be coddled. Like, oh, you're so precious. Everything, the world revolves around you. Guess what? If the fact that there's something that needs to get done, if that's not motivation for you enough, you're not a grown-up. So um, I would say... It's not easy though, man. I, I relate with you hundred percent because I, I do have those days and I do have that time, but it's about work ethic. It's about understanding. And and here's the key. This is what Ann helped me understand more than anything else, is recognizing when it's not something that has to get done. Sometimes it's things I want to get done. And Ann, who, again, you, everybody's got to have somebody like an Ann in their life who says to me, is that, is that something that has to get done and has to get done right now? No, then sit your ass down and relax. Like, so fortunately I have that person in my life. So learn how to discern the things that need to get done with the things that you just like to get done and learn how to prioritize. And that's, fortunately I got somebody in my life that helps me do that a lot. Hopefully you do too. All right, what's next?
3: Uh, Bobby Jackson writes, I think we'll have two leaders. Sam will lead the ground and Captain Marvel lead the air team.
0: I don't think the Avengers are going to be broken into a ground team and an air team. Uh, not to mention Sam is an air guy, but I think Sam, um, Anthony Mackey just, just recently in a recent interview kind of implied that Sam Wilson is not going to be the leader of the Avengers. Again, it's a hard ask because while he now carries the nickname Captain America, he's not Captain America's. I mean, he's not Steve Rogers, right? And in the Avengers, he was always a lower ranking guy in the Avengers, Go back and watch the other Avengers movies. Sam is considered a lower ranking guy within their ranks. And he has no superpowers. Um, within the Avengers, that's a little bit different than a Batman, I think. So I, I don't know. I certainly don't think the Avengers will be broken into team air and team ground. But I, I just don't think Sam is going to be one of those guys. We'll see, though. We'll like, let's see how the Captain America New World Order movie works out. All right, what's next?
3: All right, Jay has a two-parter here. I think it's totally fine that Virgin's versions, King were defeated in Ant Man and Loki. Uh, in the comics, Kane is constantly defeated. Kang's big threat is that. It's
1: right up here, do, do,
3: do, he do. keeps coming back. Uh, the, the feeling of how do we defeat him for good is something the MCU hasn't had in a bat, bad guy yet. I kind of thought they were going to do more of that with Ultron. Because yeah. in Ultron in the comics, it's like he can come from the future too. So,
0: And, you know, the, one of the big threats in Ultron was not only do we have to defeat this guy, but we have to kill the system that's allowing himself just to transfer himself to all this kind of stuff. I mean, no, I get that, absolutely. But when you're a live-action movie fan and you're an average moviegoer, that's a big ask. Like, okay, get built up for this big Kang villain and don't worry about it when they die at the end because they're just going to come back tomorrow. But still feel the threat. And and it's a big ask for the audience and I don't know that they've done that well yet. A, they didn't do it well with Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania even though I love Jonathan Majors in the role and I loved his performance as Kang, they, yeah, they, they've they got some ground to cover, I think. They've got some ground to cover. All right, because Just because one concept works well in the comics, like you so accurately pointed out, that doesn't necessarily automatically translate to the screen. We've seen examples of that a lot, right? So, I don't know. We'll have to see. Listen, but still, in Kevin Feige, we trust, and we'll see what he's got in store. All right, what's next?
3: CSC asks, What about
0: CinemaCon makes it your favorite con? Um, it just does far more than any other con. And it's, it's that's the thing about Cinemacon isn't really a con, right? Like most traditional cons, like a D23 or a, or a Comic Con or anything like that. Um, you know what? We're gonna be doing a an explainer video. You know, I've been doing those editorials lately. we got one coming up explaining exactly what is Cinemacon, and we're gonna be talking about that as to why, but again, it's the presentations, the studios come. And they give one and a half to two and a half hour presentations about all their big movies they got coming up this year, showing us 10 to 15 minute clips of movies that aren't even going to be out for like eight or nine months, showing us surprise screenings. Like we're going to be watching The Flash two months in advance. It's just an incredible, incredible experience if you're a film fan. So uh, I think that, but again, keep your guys' eyes open for the video we're going to be doing next week. That'll air next week called What is CinemaCon? And that'll give you a better idea of that. Anyway, great you know,
2: question. I'm, uh, well, I'm kind of disappointed because I was watching the news this morning. And uh, this weekend, there's something called AlienCon. Oh. AlienCon? Yeah. What is and why, how did I not know about this? I want to go so bad, but it's sold out. It's just like, What is it, like UFO aliens? Yeah, or UFO aliens, aliens, you know, planets and stuff Where's like it at? that.
1: It's going to be at the Pasadena Convention Center, which oh, I live I one block go. from.
2: Looks really Why don't you go? What's stopping you? Well, the, they, they sell tickets and they were limited. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: Well, just show up and say I'm Ray Aura. No, so they're an alien. The world knows who you are now. So you are an ancient alien. Or- I'm, I am an ancient alien. All right. Or <laughs> <laughs> what's next?
3: Uh, best, aka <laughs> Mister <laughs> No Days Off. rights over under fifty five percent. We get a Council of Reeds versus Council of Kings fight scene in a
0: future Avengers film. Thanks and bring on the filthy zero. Yeah, I, no, they're not going to do that. Oh, no, look, I, I won't say zero. 5%. Very, very, very small, small, tiny percent chance they actually bring that into the big screen. So I, I don't know, do any of you guys disagree? 6%. What? 6%, 6% always got to take... <laughs> That's it. Always got to take win, the 1% man. over. <laughs> All right,
3: what's next? All right, Jeff writes, Ant-Man, uh, questions re- or cues reported uh, budget... Two hundred million, not counting marketing. Um, it stands to lose fifty to one hundred million. I think Feige rearranges something soon. Per Igor,
2: just yes, yeah, he's I, just trying to say who, that
0: Quantum cost. Well, the budget, the budget was two hundred million. But, I mean, do we know that? I'm not sure. I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, it's that would be roughly. Let me look this up. Ant-Man. I, I think wants, that basically um, what he's
2: asking is uh, if Ant-Man loses money, will Feige rearrange things like panic mode, like uh, mm, Warner Brothers? Reaction. My
3: opinion is there's already a rearrangement with the fact that, that Iger's back yeah, and, and said, the middlemen
0: are cut. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. Look, with, with Bob, with Big Papa Iger coming back and they've decided, okay, scrap the mandate that Chapek gave you that you've got to crank out this much content. Let's bring that down a bit. Let's space out what we're doing. I, don't, But see, here's the thing about Kevin Feige. Kevin Feige is not like Warner Brothers used to be. This super reactionary guy. It's like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, one thing went wrong. Let's change everything. Yeah. However, that doesn't mean you can't change anything. Again, I really believe... And as much as I, I I look forward to seeing what Jeff Loveness does in the future, I want to see Jeff Loveness have success and succeed in his career. Totally do. But I think it is becoming apparent that he should not be writing Avengers Kang Dynasty. He shouldn't be writing it. If Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which was his like really first big project he got to write, if that's any indication... He really should not be writing that. I mean, give him other projects to write. Let him grow and develop his skill. And again, I want, I wish nothing but good things for the gentleman. Nothing but fabulous success and a great future ahead. But right now, I don't think he's the guy to write that movie. So I believe a minor change, like saying, you know what? We're just going to change out our screenwriter. We still have our direction. We still know where we're trying to take everything. But I think we need to swap out our screenwriter for that. I don't think he will change it, but I hope he's considering it because I I think it would be best for Jeff's career and I think it would be best for the MCU right now. But you know what? Again, I trust Kevin Feige. Whatever he decides to do will be fine. All right, what's next?
3: Okay. Nick Hernandez writes Just want to say it's my 23rd birthday and thanks to everyone in the crew for the amazing news and fun from this channel.
0: Oh, thanks so much, Nick. And happy birthday, man. May you have a great and glorious day and a great and glorious year ahead. We are honored that you decided to spend part of your birthday with us, man. Thanks so much for that. All right, what's next? CJ Rebirth writes, loved Creed 3, but maybe miss seeing Rocky. Again, there are moments, you know what? Okay, there are moments in the film where Rocky's absence is very, very noticeable. But Ray made a comment about Creed 3 that I also really agreed with, which was Creed 1 and Creed 2 were still both Rocky movies. This is a Creed movie. Yeah. This movie marks the transition. It did not need Sylvester Stallone. It did not need the Rocky character. I still felt his absence really obviously in a few scenes, but this is now his story. And it's a transition that needed to happen. And from the movie poster
2: and the trailer, you could see he has a family, he has a kid. I mean, you could tell it's not where Rocky used to take place. So, I mean... He's he, he's living his own life, is what I'm saying. Rocky is not his wife. He's not going to follow him everywhere. No, you know where, I mean? where
0: did he end up going at the end of Creed Two? Did Didn't he go it, back to his son's house? Yeah, was it Vancouver? Was it was it Vancouver? Oh that yeah, was, he did go
2: back to yeah, his. Yeah, he son.
0: goes back to some so maybe he just up and moved there permanently. Yeah, so and, yeah, the, yeah, so there could have been some time that passed. I mean, who's, who's the Rocky's thing? story has been told. Yeah, and now exactly they're telling that, Creed's story, yeah. and, and and it kind of worked. All right, what's next?
3: Juan Espinoza asks, uh, Ben Affleck directed Green Lantern series or JSL? I'm not sure what JSL is.
0: It it, it wouldn't matter. Ben Affleck is one of the society? world's great directors. Whatever mm-hmm. he does would be great. I don't see him doing Green... I Listen, if you look at his movies like Argo, The Town, and stuff like that, I see Ben Affleck wanting to do more, a more grounded, gritty kind of movie. Mm-hmm. So I think that would take like a Green Lantern out of it unless he wanted to approach it very, very differently. So I think my my guess pure guess just a guess my guess would be it would probably be a character that he could bring that more grounded grittiness to it like the town and like the batman movie he wanted to do so i don't see it being a green lantern but you never know all right what's next all right a Min asks where is your excitement level for foundation season two very high i i thought the first season was fantastic i really loved it really excited to see where the new season goes all right what's next
3: Vess, aka Mr. No Days Off, writes: These movies turned 30 years old this year. The Sandlot, Jurassic Park, Groundhog Day, What's Eating Gilbert Grape, So I Married an Axe Murder, Robin Hood: Men in Tights, Mrs. Doubtfire, and The Fugitive. Thanks, and bring on the field. (laughs) You know what?
0: That's crazy. The one that uh, bring up that list again too. Uh What's the What's Eating Gilbert Grape, which is of course the one that really put Leonardo DiCaprio on. I think Leo, uh, a young Leonardo DiCaprio, I think got an Academy Award nomination for that movie. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was his first one. But man, so I married an axe murderer. <laughs> that movie is so great. Have you, have, have, any of you guys, have you wait, have wait, seen? Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah, that goes into my thing. Bring up that list again, Jonathan, right. please. Um, Can you guess okay. how many of these movies I've watched? Oh my God. Uh, uh, i guess wine. you've seen
3: Jurassic Park. You have
2: to
0: have seen. I'll it. Oh, I almost
3: feel like he hasn't.
0: Have you seen, seen two or none? Park. Three. Okay, so I, I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess you saw Jurassic Park. Right. I'm gonna guess you saw Groundhog Day. Nope. No. no and I was gonna guess Mrs. Doubtfire. No, Mrs. Doubtfire. No, part. not Mrs.
2: Doubtfire. Sa- Sandlot, and then the other one, uh, Robin, Robin Hood. Minutiae. Okay. That tracks.
0: I'll, I'll tell you what. Sarah Maron and Axe Murder is one of my all-time favorite comedies. Who stars that? Shrek. The- Mike, Mike Myers. Mike yeah. Myers. Yeah. Um, there's like there are so many great lines in that movie, but like one of the best is he's walking. They just had this great date, and they're walking. They're talking, and uh, they martial arts comes up. He goes, Yeah. Uh, in Scotland, we have our own martial art. It's called "fuck you," where it's basically consists. <laughs> he says it's basically consists of headbutting and kicking somebody when they're on the ground. <laughs> it's like one of the best lines. That might have been
2: his first breakout movie after SNL, right? Or during? No, SNL. Wayne's World
3: was. Wayne's oh, yeah, World Wayne, was first. Yeah. That,
0: Wayne's World came. Yeah, right. Wayne's yeah. World came first, and then Sorry Mary, but God, I love Sorry Mary Next Murder. That movie, that movie so great. All right, what's next? Josh Becker writes. Hopefully, these March movies can be as good as Creed. I'll tell you what. Not not only case Creed right now projected. We'll see if it works out. Projected to be the biggest in the franchise opening. John Wick is projecting to be the biggest opening in the John Wick franchise uh, opening. Um, we've got Shazam not projecting well. A lot of problems around that. But still, I'm excited about Shazam. I am super stoked. They played the Dungeons and Dragons trailer again at the movie when we went to go see Operation Fortune the other night. I'm very excited about that movie. Uh, what else is coming out in March? Uh, 65. 65. Listen, that movie is not going to do well at the box office. It will do well for me, because I'm going to see that. But I'm i think excited for this movie. Yes, I think it's going to be fun. I don't think a lot... They haven't done a good job marketing it. Yeah, I don't think not a lot really. of people are going to see it. But I think that movie is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I, like, for me, I had a good time at Operation Fortune yesterday. I really love Creed. March, for me, is already off to a it's, great start. It's like a mini summer in March. Yeah. It's,
3: yeah, it's great. Just starting earlier and earlier. All right, what's next? All right, Guzman writes... The double feature Friday for me, first Demon Slayer, then Creed 3. Curious to see those anime inspired uh, shots uh, Michael B. Jordan was doing for.
0: Yeah, I didn't recognize anything that didn't look like it was just influenced by regular boxing movies, but Ray, who's a bigger yeah. anime guy than me, he definitely recognized you watched it. You watch
2: Dragon Ball enough, there's little things in there where you're like, hmm. hmm. Yeah, but, but you know what?
3: I'm glad it wasn't blatant, though.
2: E- yeah, if, if, even if you don't notice it, the slow mo's mm-hmm. in that movie. Mm-hmm. The point of impact is crazy. I've never seen anything like it.
3: Yep. You know, talk about like nuances of Rocky and how it was always shot. Mostly, it was shot cinematically. The problem I had, and I, I didn't mind Rocky Balboa, the sixth one. I didn't like how it was shot, almost like ESPN style. I the, actually, the, liked, the, the I really like no, Rocky Balboa. The, I, I liked it too. I like the the story, but but the shots were shot. Yeah. You know, too realistic. It, it didn't look cinematic. Right. All right. All right. What's Wicked next? man writes. UFC is stacked in March.
0: Yeah, it is. There's a couple of big ones. John Jones. Obviously, you got the big John Jones ones. Man, I would love to see him get his face smashed mm-hmm. by Ghani. <laughs> but I don't think it's gonna happen. <laughs> I don't think. It, but listen, thing about Jones is it, when's the last time he was in the ring? Yeah. And I was the last time it wasn't Dominic uh um what was Dominic's last name? Cruz. I don't think oh, it was Dominic Reyes. Dominic Reyes. Cause I'll tell you what, straight up, John Jones lost that fight. I, I still, to this day, I've watched it, that fight four yeah. or five times, and I—it's not like it was one-sided, it wasn't. John yeah. Jones was extremely competitive in that fight, very, very dangerous in that fight, but he lost that fight. Dominic Reyes won that fight. Um, he's been in there against guy who's the big blonde uh, Nordic guy. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gustafsson. Uh, Gustafsson. Yeah, Gustafsson. That Gustafsson took John Jones within an inch of his life in that fight. Like, here's the thing. Like when I tell people. John Jones is not even in the conversation of the greatest of all time. I mean, that's uh Habib Nurmagomedov because you look at Habib's career, never in his career was he ever even in trouble. Yeah. No one ever came. No one ever came remotely close to even having the Eagle in danger. Man, that guy like, wrestled. John, Bo- John Bones Jones is a top 10 all-time great, but he did get beat against Reyes, even though the judges gave him the fight. But he got beat. He came very close to losing a couple of times, but he's. But I think I think he beats Gagne well, Saturday night. I think he beats Gagne. This Saturday would
2: night. this would have been a better contest if I didn't see Gagne's last fight against what I thought was going to be a great fight. It showed what he's like under the. The bright lights. That one fight where I, we, I actually thought he would beat was it the Black Beast or was it Nganu or somebody? Well, he fought Ngannou. He lost against Nganu. Yeah, I but thought... His, that was his last could, fight. Or, or whatever fight that was where he was up against a big name, it
0: seemed like he crawled well, into a shell. His last fight was against uh, that great New Zealander fight, the guy who drinks the beer out oh, of the Oh, right, shoes. right, right. That, that dude, I, why am I, freezing I it, it was that fight then. Oh, he beat the hell out of him.
2: Oh, Gagne beat. It, beat it? Oh yeah, he beat the oh, hell okay. out of him. Yeah.
0: Okay. But but against against Naganu he he looked kind of mortal. But he anyway. was like
2: running around and you know just kept running. But who who wouldn't run from a big punch like that? Well, so. he
0: wasn't able to take him down. All that was right. the problem. He really wanted to be able to take him down. And Naganu showed in that fight a huge leap forward in his grappling ability. Like a both defensively and like he showed the biggest jump. I think, ever in his skill set in that fight. Yeah. And unfortunately, that was the last fight we ever got seen. Yeah, yeah, and he's not there anymore. And he's not right? in the UFC anymore. Sucks. Anyway,
3: yeah. all right, what's next? All right, Matt Sanders with a $20 Super Chat. Thank you. Uh, I liked Rick and Morty, but sometimes they destroy their universe. When that happens, Morty goes to a universe, a uh, whole new family. Am I supposed to care about those characters? That's what uh, uh, I'm afraid of with the multiverse.
0: Well, I mean, just because somebody does something in a cartoon show does not mean they're going to take those same tropes into a thing. But we're already feeling that in the multiverse, right? We've already felt that. you're okay, saying, "No problem, new version of them there." I, but I can't comment on the Rick and Mortyisms of it because I only watched season one. Now, I was very late to the party for Rick and Morty. It was already on season, I think three, by the time I got around to watching it. But it looks exactly like the kind of humor I love. I- but I didn't like Rick and Morty. It just—it didn't make me laugh. I didn't think it was all that good.
2: And I think he's—he's he's trying to uh, say like the what's the worst part about it, like a multiverse story? Yeah, like you get attached to a certain characters yeah, and then well, they the go to a different gets universe. Who cares? Oh, you Who characters you have to u- like get yeah. to know
3: again. So, well, we haven't really heard that yet. Yeah, we haven't entire that universes. yet. But, but yeah. all right, what's next? All right, Nexus Fuel writes, hey, Taylor, what do you think the commentary will be in Scream 6? For me, it looks like they're going to tackle the topic of glorification of true crime.
1: Oh, yeah, Nexus, that's exactly what I think it's going to be, especially with stuff like Dahmer, the Evan Peters show on Netflix. Right. And all the drama it caused, I think it's going to be, especially because you can see this in the trailer, there are multiple people in the subway dressed as Ghostface. And I think in real life, we're seeing the same thing where people are glorifying serial killers in their world, it's Ghostface. Actually, this Sunday morning, on the 5th, um, I'm going to be going to Santa Monica because they're having a Scream experience to so walk through exhibit with all the props, all the costumes. I'm going to be filming it, trying to get as many clues as I can to try and piece together mm-hmm. what's going on. I'm so excited for this. It's going to be a fun time. We're uh, one week
2: away from today. Scream 6. Uh, Taylor, I had to tell you something. I was watching the news this morning. Did you know Paramount tried to do a viral thing again? Oh, yeah. And the cops were called. Uh-huh. They had a for guy what, in a Scream costume. Uh-huh. Just standing around corners, someone took a pick. The same people are trying to calling... do with
3: Megan? Yeah. You know those like. Yeah, and smile. Yeah, but with scream, it's a little more dangerous. Yeah, yeah. 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 So Smiling. people started calling
2: the cops, yeah. and then the cops said, we hope next time the studio tells us it's so we don't yeah. have to yeah, that's I have, cool. have do that. It's those traffic cams. I forgot exactly what they're
1: called, but you know the ones where you can look online oh, and yeah, watch popular like tourist yeah. places. Yeah. They're they're showing up there ghost faces. I think it was Arizona, California. It, that's so yeah, cool. you,
0: you got to be I mean, like when they start putting the, the girls dressed in the smile thing mm-hmm. behind yeah. the camera at baseball game, that's cool, but you got to be a little bit smart. You can't have people in ghost yeah, faces Yeah, yeah, yeah. The like that. people can actually get hurt. Yeah.
3: Well, and the difference is at a game they check you for weapons on the street.
0: Yeah. You don't know what somebody's got <laughs> yeah. going on. All right, let's keep going. We're almost out of time oh, here, so yeah. let's keep rolling.
3: Uh, Guzman writes, makes, uh, makes Simu the face of the MCU. Dude is really char- charismatic and super good looking. Also is a good Canadian kid.
0: Again, the, one, and one of the biggest arguments for it is the fact that his director in Shang-Chi is now the director of Kang Dynasty. So, but again, his movie, he's only been in one movie. And that movie, while it is the best movie they've made in the last little while, it only was able to do so much financially. So who knows? We'll see where they go with it. All right, what's next?
3: Well, Dildar says, I'm bored. How's your day going? <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to read it. <laughs> I so, I missed that. What?
0: He just oh, anyway, wants me right. to read that. Okay, let's keep going then.
3: <laughs> uh, Life Mastery Mindset uh, writes, was James Gunn at DC uh, and being known for picking oddball characters, do you not? think michael keaton can team up with him to do a batman beyond could be an elseworlds movie
0: uh, by the way he super chat in like 20 dollars. Thank, oh, yeah, thank you so you. much for supporting us on that level I, I said that exact same thing earlier yeah. i said uh, knowing james gunn that is something he could look at and that's the only way to go batman beyond is not an oddball character i mean that that's he's not polka dot man right. he's not king shark <laughs> it's 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 not a peacemaker he's not an oddball ball character he's a, he's a very straightforward character that that I think a lot of studios would look at and develop. But look, of course it's something that he could do. Absolutely. I think but I but I think it'll be animation. I don't think they're going to step out of the gate and try to swing for the fences because while his Suicide Squad movie is one of the best DC movies ever made, it was also financially like Titanic. Now, there's a few asterisks to put on that. The previous one a lot of people didn't like the previous Suicide mm-hmm. Squad so it had that baggage coming over with it. The fact that the previous ownership of Warner Brothers did the idiotic move of putting it on HBO at the same time that they put it in theaters. There was the pandemic was still going. Look, there's a lot of different asterisks around that. But yeah, I do think it is possible, especially and exclusively animation. So we'll see. All right, what's next?
3: All right. Uh when I say chef, Ray says Pledgers Rigo. <laughs> uh no questions, just showing support.
0: Oh, thank you, Chef Rigo. Good to see you, man. Thank you. For and then support from Fangblade71. All right, guys, and that'll do it. For today's installment of the John Campy Show, thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent those super chats. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it and all of us involved with the show here. Thank you guys so very much for your support. Just a reminder to you guys who are channel members at 2 p.m. today, so that's about an hour and a half from now, that's 5 p.m. New York time, we're going to be doing a channel member's town hall meeting just because we haven't had one in a couple of weeks so come on by we'll discuss some stuff i'll take your questions for those of your channel members so i hope to see you guys there all right guys and that'll wrap us up for the weekend make sure you come back on monday for the next installment of the john Campia show looking forward to seeing you then so for all the guys in the room ray aura jonathan voico <laughs> <laughs> taylor holding spoiler pig oh, hostage boy. over there yeah. and myself i'm john campia thanks for being here guys and until next time my friends bye-bye